able to enjoy one another, but Father, to hear instruction from you. And God, I just pray for today's study that you would make it, that you would just make it poignant within our lives, that God, you would meet each person where they are at, and we would understand the necessity for growing in the grace and the knowledge of who you are. And so, Father, as we do, we just pray, God, that you would bless us with the knowledge of your presence, we ask in Jesus' name. Real quick, one thing, we have about four or five worship teams at our church, and we differentiate between them all by colors. This is Team Plaid. <laughs> we have Paul Bunyan over there. <laughs> Go ahead and turn to your neighbor and tell him, Happy Sunday. Go ahead and turn your Bibles to 2 Peter, 2 Peter chapter 3. We'll be picking up at verse 14 as we finish out Peter's epistle. Again, if you arrived today without a Bible, we'd like for you to follow along. There should be one in front of you underneath the seats, but if there isn't, if you raise your hands, the ushers will bring one to you. Is there anybody? There's a Bible need to the right and to my left here. 2 Peter chapter 3 starting at verse 14. We have one more over here, Scott. He's going to take Tony's comment. Um, just a real quick update on Jim and Dee Simmons. Jim has been in the hospital for a couple of weeks, so he's going to be due a heart transplant. Uh, he's going through the testing procedure and all of that. While he was in there going through that, his wife, Dee, got a kidney infection, so she was admitted to the hospital, and so they've been through a whole ordeal. Jim finally was released, I don't remember if it was last Monday or Tuesday, he's staying at his son's house, and then on Thursday, Dee was finally released and went home and surprised Jim, and so they're back together again, but continue to keep them both up in prayer that God would heal him. Go ahead and stand for the reading of God's word. 2 Peter chapter 3, starting at verse 14, and I'm just going to read the first sentence and make a comment, then we'll move on reading through. It says, Therefore, beloved, looking forward to these things, the things, the things are the things that Peter had talked about. As we are the beloved, as we are the brethren in Christ, he says, Therefore, or because of the rapture, because of the tribulation, because of the second coming of Jesus Christ, because of the thousand-year reign, because of the reality of judgment and the reality of the destruction of the earth, because of a new heaven and a new earth, he says, be diligent to be found by him in peace without spot and blameless. And consider that the long-suffering of our Lord is salvation, and also our beloved Paul, according to the wisdom given to him, has written to you, speaking of Paul's epistles, verse 16, as also in all his epistles, speaking in them of these things, in which are some things hard to understand, which untaught and unstable people twist to their own destruction, as they do also the rest of the scriptures. You therefore, beloved, he's speaking to Ontario today, you therefore, beloved, since you know this beforehand, beware, lest you also fall from your own steadfastness, being led away with the error of the wicked. But grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, 
To him be the glory both now and forever. Amen. God, you have given us a call to maturity today. You have commanded us to grow, and the way we grow is by the study of your word. And as we study your word, I pray that we would apply your word. And so, Father, just make this Bible study today applicable in our lives. And I pray, Father, as these things are obtainable, that we would be obedient, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So just a couple of closing questions, because really what we're going to be focusing on is verse 18 here today. But a couple of closing questions as we say goodbye to the Apostle Peter. Apostle Peter, that lovable fisherman that we see in the Gospels, man always wanting to do right by God, but is misinformed, immature in his faith. And because he is immature in his faith, when Jesus states a reality, he always confused those things and, and would, would stand up and even arrogantly say the wrong thing. But then we also see Peter in Acts chapter 2, a man who is filled with the Holy Spirit. And it's through the Holy Spirit that he gains understanding. And then when we see him standing up and speaking, we see thousands of people getting right with Jesus Christ. And then we've been studying for the last few months his epistles, these letters that Peter had written, and we've gained the instruction from a mature man in the direction that he has for the church even today. And so we have his final exhortation here. So the first thing that we need to consider when it comes to verse 18, what does it mean to grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ? Now, I'm not given this study just so that you understand these terms and maybe are able to define them at some point. And not even so much that you're able to pass them on, but you're able to receive them into yourself. That God would display where you are at in your Christian life and why you are at where you are at. And what I mean by that is, are you truly growing in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ? Are you really strong in his grace? Because I found that people who are weak in his grace, the knowledge of the magnitude of the grace of God, aren't really moving, aren't really sharing, and aren't really growing. And so this isn't directed at any one person here, although it's directed at every person here. And so we all need to consider ourselves, and the first person that needs to do that is really me. But we all, this is truly God speaking to his church today, we need to be attentive to these things. Don't just let this be another hour where you're bored again, but if you're truly born again, you would receive of the things that God has for you. And so the first term is grow, and it means increase. Increase implies a starting point of new life. The idea is to sprout and grow. The day of your salvation, from the day of your salvation until now, has it been a period of growth, growing in understanding, growing in what God has done for you, and growing in the knowledge of what God continues to do in your life, but also growing in the knowledge of what your response is to be, to whom much has been given, and you've been given eternal life, much is expected. We are just unprofitable servants, but we've been bought with a price, the price of the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Paul said in 2 Corinthians 5.17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. That's the day of our spiritual birth. But if I've been moving down the road, I've been growing in my spiritual maturity. A dynamic of creation is that where there is new life, there is to be constant growth. A lack of growth, it brings sickness and death. We 
I, I bring up my apricot tree gets top billing usually, and this year I mentioned last week at Easter it's finally got some buds on there, and I did look at them the other day, yesterday, and they are growing. It's, it's healthy, but I want to go back a generation to a tree that is no longer with us. That was a peach tree that we used to have, and the peach tree that we used to have, it, it would never grow. Now, my wife is a murderess. She's just off with his head. If it doesn't produce peaches, she wants to kill it, but... I'm long-suffering, and I understand just as God was gracious and merciful to me, I need to be that way to the peach tree, and so I was, and so finally, though, we had enough. I, I'm, I, my long-suffering only goes so far. Um, it was the day I was going to dig it up, and so I'm thinking there's going to be a root ball down there, and it's going to be a project. I, I put the shovel in, I moved the shovel about, and the tree popped out. It had no roots. It, 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 it looked okay from the top, you know, it never grew. It was a pygmy tree. It, it, it looked good from the top, but it just simply never grew roots. And because it never grew roots, it never produced fruit. I kind of remember one time when it produced something, but it was inedible. And so if we're not growing roots into the Word of God, if we're not growing our roots deep into the knowledge of the Lord, we're either not going to produce fruit or the fruit that we think we're producing is going to be inedible. It's not going to be beneficial for anybody else. Growth in your, is your Christian duty expresses perfectly everything which you and I are called to do in your Christian life. If you are not spiritually growing, then you are out of the will of God. And matter of fact, if you're not growing, if you're not maturing every year, you are in fact backsliding. Because everybody here is either pushing forward in their Christian life, or they're moving backwards, or they're staying static. And there's only one thing that is acceptable in the will of God and the knowledge of God and who God is and what God expects, and that is to be maturing in our Christian life. And so look at yourself in the spiritual mirror, which is in the Bible, and what do you see? What do you see in, when you look at yourself, when you look at your life? Where were you at last year in your Christian life as far as in knowledge, as far as in service to the Lord, as far as sharing your faith? Are you still in the same place? That's backsliding. Have you regressed? That's backsliding. But are you moving forward? That's growing. And that's what the Bible tells us to do. And I'd be remiss to not tell you that. That the Bible says that we are, well, again, Peter, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord. Now, when everything that Peter has done and all the experience that he had in his life with Jesus Christ, and his life filled with the Spirit and the work of ministry, these are his last words. His last words are going to be very important to him as he's expressing what is upon his heart. And again, in the light of all that God has done, and the light of the end times and the glorious future that God has for us, Peter thought it important to say to grow in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Because he understands who we are, he understands how we are, because he understands who he is and how he is as well. And so what is it that Peter encourages us to grow in is grace, the knowledge of grace. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 2 and 3, he says, As newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word that you may grow thereby, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. There's not one of us that deserves anything in the kingdom of heaven other than judgment. That's the only thing that we deserve. But God, who is gracious, has given us so much more. Grace is the basic element of salvation and the assurance that we are heaven-bound and that we are kept by God. Matter of fact, because God is gracious, he has sealed our salvation with the Holy Spirit. 
That's the spirit who dwells inside of us that convicts us when we're contrary to God, but encourages as we're going in the direction that God has set for us. Grace and mercy. Mercy, again, keeps us out of hell, and grace gets us into heaven. And God wants you to know, if you're a born-again believer here today, you are heaven-bound. And if you are heaven-bound, show that reality within your life by growing, by growing in God. By, and when I say growing, think of this through the remainder of this study. Think maturing, that I would be a mature Christian life. See, I, I could have brought, well, brought one of my family members up. I could have brought Chris Mike. Chris Mike, I don't remember how old he is, what, about three almost? Between, two and a half. He's two and a half years old, and I could have plopped him up here in front of the microphone and say, Chris, you got him for 45 minutes. Go for it. Well, you might sit there and look, and oh, how cute he is. He doesn't really look like Pastor Mike. He kind of looks like the other side of the family, but ugly's okay anyway. And, <laughs> and after a while, it's like, okay, well, what's he going to? Well, he's got nothing to say because he's not grown. He's too immature. You have nothing to say? You have nothing to say, or uh, he's not going to be able to do anything. You have nothing to do within the body of Christ. More than likely, it's because you haven't grown. It's because you're not maturing. Basic element of our salvation is growth in the knowledge of the grace of God. Why growth in the knowledge of the grace of God? Because it's that which gives us a boldness in the face of our imperfections. It's that which propels us forward when our, our sin or, or the memory of who we used to be, whatever it might be, when the devil reminds us of who you were, when that is holding us back, it's grace that sets us free and able to move forward. It's why anybody, regardless of their past, is able to stand up based upon their future and proclaim Jesus Christ and who he is and all that he has done. Grow in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. If grace is the milk, then the meat is the knowledge of what Christ has done and who Christ is. The writer of Hebrews, he had a similar exhortation in Hebrews chapter 5, verse 7 through 14. Now he's ministering to these Jews who aren't really maturing in, in the grace of God and the knowledge of who Jesus Christ is. And he's using a biblical character, a biblical reality, but this man Melchizedek. This man, he was a priest, priest of peace, and so on. But if you've never heard of Melchizedek, then you need to check yourself. Are, are you mature in the Lord? It's in, it's in Genesis. And the idea is, is that the writer of Hebrews is saying, you don't even know who this is. You should, you should be reading your Bible, is what he's saying. And if you're not reading your Bible, you're not going to know who Melchizedek is. So he was using Melchizedek as, a, as an example. But in verse 7 he says, Who in the days of his flesh, when he was offered up prayers and supplications with vehement cries and tears to him, who was able to save him from death and was heard because of his godly fear, though he was a son, yet he learned obedience by the things which he suffered. And having been perfected, he became the author of eternal salvation to all who obey him, called by God as high priest according to the order of Melchizedek, of whom we have much to say and hard to explain since you have become dull of hearing. He, he's using this great example, but it's almost as if, oh yeah, I forgot who I'm talking to. I, I forgot I'm ta talking to people who, who've been neglectful in their Christian lives. Neglectful that they, they attend Bible study when it's convenient. They come to church when they feel like it. They, well, 
don't do their devotions and they're dependent upon some teacher rather than dependent upon their relationship with Jesus Christ. God uses teachers. If he doesn't, I'm out of a job, but that's okay. But he also ministers to us and meets us individually in a very personal way for the purpose of our growth as well. Those who are not growing are as an immature child. Some dynamics of an immature child that translate through even into our lives. An immature child lacks understanding. No understanding of this life. He has no experience, no understanding of the word, and no understanding really of his future. I look at my grandkids, they live in the moment because how can they live anywhere else, any way else? They lack discrimination. They have no idea that there's people out there that may seek to do them harm. They're unaware of the dangers out there in the world. In Ephesians chapter 3, verses 13 through 14, Paul's call to maturity. He says, Do we all come to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man? That means to a mature man. To the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. And so what he's concerned about is, is these winds of doctrine that continue to blow through the church. Those things which maybe look kind of attractive, maybe even sound kind of, well, kind of good, but in actuality are contrary to the word of God. You should be able to know the difference between a seeker-friendly church, between an emerging church, and between a cult, whatever the latest cult is, or even the cults that have been around for a while. You should be able to warn somebody from those guys on bikes and ties that come knocking on the door and tell them why that is contrary. Those people, the Mormons, Jehovah Witnesses, whoever else, are contrary to the Bible. And they worship a Jesus Christ who is not exemplified through the scriptures. Now, I'm not saying you need to be a Mormon theologian, Jehovah's theologian, or whatever it might be, but I need to have a basic working uh, knowledge of the workings of the truth of God that I'm able to confront that which is contrary to the word of God. And if you've been saved for any period of time, you've got great responsibility if you stand up and say, yeah, well, I've been saved for 10 years, I've been saved for 20 years or whatever, there's great responsibility in that. Do you have the knowledge of a 10-year-old, 20-year-old, and I mean in the Christian faith? And you, you should. If not, you should be convicted, and conviction should be, bring change about in your life. If you don't know what you believe, then you will not know what's not true. You'll never have that complete understanding, and you will be open to deception. Those who are immature depended upon feelings and impulses. Feelings and impulses. Just that's why they call a two-year-old the terrible twos, because they go according to feelings and impulses. I want it, I want, I want, I want. And when they don't get, they scream and fall on the floor and kick. And like that. Are, are we still like that in our Christian faith? God, I want, I want, I want, I want. When you don't get, then you get mad at God. Is that the way it is? That's a mark of immaturity. Secondly, how are we to grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ? Four ways we are to progressively and gradually grow, or again, mature. We grow by feeding on God's word. Again, doing devotions. Doing devotions is simply having the desire to meet with God every day. Now, personally, 
I believe that something should be done in the morning. If you come and tell me it's something you do at night before you go to bed, well, that's fine. That's how God has met you. But as far as for me, I like to open up. I use the one-year Bible. I have it actually on my iPad. It's free, and there's a plan there. And I have read through the Bible every year, not because I'm a pastor, but because I'm a Christian, every year since November 3rd of 2001. And what that really means is, is that I'm old. But secondly, I just feel the necessity of being dedicated to what God has called me to do. And again, you need to have that. If you're a born-again believer, you need to have that same passion. You need to make that determination and have the resolve that you're going to do it. And there's days that I sit down on that couch, and I don't feel like doing it. There's days that I sit down and I get caught up in something else and I have to be in the office and I get up and leave, but usually what I'll do is I'll send myself an email saying, don't forget to do your devotions because you sluggard. No, I don't do that, but uh, just a reminder because it's so easy to put it off. And then there's days that I have missed. I stand before you as somebody who desires to be strong in the grace of God. But then the days that I miss, I'll make it up because I have just made this determination And don't look at me. I'm not setting myself as an example of perfection by any stretch of the imagination. Matter of fact, it's because of my imperfections that I need to be in God's word every single day. So devotions, it says in 1 Peter 2, verse 2, as newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word that you may grow thereby. I remember our babies, when my wife was breastfeeding them, when she would hold them to their chest, they would just start their sucker going and they're looking for that point of nourishment. Be like that. They have that desire, have that passion for the nourishment that God has for you. We are to grow by doing God's word, devotions, but also a devotion. To be devoted to God's word and doing God's word and having this desire to, well, just simply to be that servant that God has called me to be. If he's truly the Lord of your life, then you will do the things that he says. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 13 But as for you, brethren, do not grow weary in doing good. That means to do these things today and to do them tomorrow and to do them every day as much as God has called you to or what God has called you to. Thirdly, we grow by speaking God's word. Well, we saw devotions, we saw devotion, and we are to be devoted. We grow by speaking God's word. Ephesians 4.15, But speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things to him who is the head Christ. So if I took a survey, who wants to teach next Sunday morning? I'm not going to be here. Who wants to teach and raise hands? And I pick somebody. Regardless of what you have done in the past, I guarantee you, you'll spend time in the Word for this coming Sunday. Why? Because you don't want to be seen the fool behind the pulpit. you'll, You'll put your heart and your soul because, well, there's that element of pride. Hopefully there's that element of dedication to Jesus Christ, but you'll give your all. Why? Because you're going to go up Sunday morning and you're going to speak to a room full of people. Well, what about that one person? Are, are, are you just as diligent for that one person who maybe you don't even know right now, that one person who you'll cross paths with this week? Are you prepared? And I've heard people, yeah, you know what? I just never really have opportunity. I, I've never led anybody to Jesus Christ. Well, if you're not prepared to do so, why would God use you? I mean, why would God use you? I mean, if, you're, if you've got blinders on all the times to people and the, their lostness, of course you're never going to have anybody to, to share with. Because very fair, rarely do people come and grab you by the face and, what do I need to do to be saved? There's people in the Bible who have done that. I've experienced that. 
but that comes about as you're out there, as they recognize who you are. My wife is really good at this. When we go shopping, she doesn't drive now, so I, I take her to Trader Joe's when we go shopping, and she'll always take up conversations. And at Trader Joe's, especially on Friday morning is when we usually go, they're, they're trained. They have to be trained because they all say the same thing. So what are you doing this weekend? And we usually tell them what we're doing this weekend. And there's an opportunity in that. But you've got to be out there, and you've got to be making conversation. And if you want to share your faith, you had better be prepared. You had better be prepared, and you also have to be wise in the grace of God, growing in the grace of God, because you realize that you're unworthy. You're no better than they are, but it's not about you. It's about Jesus Christ. The only thing that sets you apart is the grace of God, and it's our prayer. It needs to be our prayer and our desire and passion that they enter into the kingdom of God through God's grace as well. Devotions, devotion, devoted, and developed. We grow by exemplifying God's word, by living God's word that people would see Christ in us. In Malachi chapter 4, verse 2, But to you who fear my name, the Son of Righteousness shall arise with healing in his wings, and you shall go out and grow fat like stall-fed calves. And the idea here is, is God, it's not about your weight, but it's about how God blesses and uses us, that you, people would see that God's hand is upon you. And we had that great opportunity yesterday as we hand, had a funeral of Ann Lett. And again, most of you, my wife said, how many people do you think will be there? We've got to order the food. And I said, oh, it'll probably be 100. Ann was dedicated, was there for a long time. But then afterwards, there wasn't that many, and I realized why, because not many people really knew her. But that was a good thing in regard as, is that Ann came in and did what God called her to do part of the cleaning ministry, and then I was reminded of all the other ministries, ushers ministry, children's ministry, hospitality ministry, and she just did what God had called her to do. And it was just such a, a blessing yesterday. I don't know how many funerals I've done. I guess I could count them on my computer and the studies that I've done, but <clears throat> I sat down Friday to put together what I was going to say, and again, it can become monotonous, especially if you don't know the person, especially if the person was an unbeliever. And, um, you know, you can go back and put things together, but I try not to do that. But as far as with Ann, it was just so easy. It just so flowed. And because it, it, it was, as I was up there, I was teaching from the Word of God, but also able to, because of her presence here at the church, able to speak of those things and what God had done in her and what God had done through her. And if we were doing your funeral next week, I hope we don't, but if we do, what would be able to be said about you? We need to consider these things. If you want to grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, place no trust in man's method or a movement or any man himself. Methods are generated by men, those 12-step uh, programs or whatever they may be. Movements come and go, and again, you'll hear the latest movement that's coming down the pike of this new church that's going to be dynamic and it's going to be different. You know, John Corson, I think, was fond of saying, if it's new, it's not true. If it's not true, it's probably new. And then if it's based upon any man, sooner or later, men die, but the Word of God endures forever. We don't do sermon series here. Maybe once in a while, do something. We're going through the uh, the book of Psalms on Thursday night, not verse by verse, but I'm just hitting a couple of key Psalms. I don't know how long I'll be doing that. But for the most part, we just go verse by verse through the Word of God. That's what we're in the middle of doing here in Second Peter. Guess where we're going after Second Peter? 
We're going the first John, and then after first John, Jude, and then Revelation. We're just going to continue to plow and just to go through all of the epistles. And after we finish that, we'll see what God has. and may go through Genesis. Also, I must remove that which is detrimental to growth in my life as well. I keep my garden weeded so that growth is not choked off. I keep my children healthy so that they would grow strong. We feed them properly, or we did. And I need to keep myself from sin that I would not retard my Christian life. Uh, that is, when I talk about sin like that, there's not anybody in here who I say, okay, don't sin anymore. And you say, okay, I won't, because that's just not going to happen. If you say I won't, then you just lied to me. And then I'd be a fool for even thinking that anybody would do that, because I can't do that. And so, as far as when we talk about not sinning in the born-again believer's life, it's when you do is to repent before the, before the Lord. And, and it's to not have any sins that are just continually and repetitive, things that you continue to struggle with that you're not seeking God out on. And it's those things we're all going to struggle what, what did Paul say in 2 Corinthians chapter 12? He had that thorn in the flesh, and I personally believe that thorn in the flesh was a sin issue that he struggled with. He said a messenger of Satan came and buffeted him in the flesh. And so I believe that that was something that was really strong and it was like something he really struggled with. And he asked God and the grace of God to take it from him, but God says, no, when you're weak, it's then that you're strong. It's because of your weaknesses that you seek after me. And then Paul said in Romans chapter 7, the things that I want to do, I don't always find myself doing. The things that I don't want to do, sometimes I find myself practicing. And he was kept going back and forth. Who will deliver me from this body of death? And then finally he came to that grand conclusion again in Romans chapter 8 verse 1. There is now therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ. And so Paul understood the concept. The apostle Paul was not sin-free. The only person that was ever sin-free was Jesus Christ, and that was the only one. But he set the example in that he gave us the example of perfection, and it's that which we constantly seek to go towards, knowing we'll never obtain it. But don't allow sin to hold you back, to weigh you down. When that comes up, pray to the Lord. If it gets the better of you, then repent before God. Be strong in the grace of God of God. That's why we need to be strong in the grace of God. It's why we need to grow in the grace of God. Because when we understand that we come to that realization, on the day that I was saved, he died and forgave me of all of my sins. Now, if you use all of that as a excuse to sin, then you've got bigger issues <laughs> that you'll have to take up with God. Because, see, I have forgiveness of my sins. We all have forgiveness of our sins because we come to the realization of what is sin and we repent of our sin. If you're of the mindset that God has to forgive you, well, then where, where's the space for repentance? And if there's no space for repentance, were you ever really truly forgiven? And you need to truly, and I'm not going to do it for you because it's your personal relationship, but you need to revisit all of that. God will forgive, there's no doubt about it, but if I'm using that forgiveness as an excuse to live a life that is filled with sin, then I'm just simply deceiving myself. In Romans 6, 1 through 2, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. How shall we who died in sin live any longer in it? And the idea is we are not to. And then number three, are you? Are you growing in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ? 
How do we determine whether we are growing and how do we measure spiritual growth is simply to examine yourself. What does the Bible say that the attributes of a spiritual babe is? Well, a natural babe or a babe apart from an immature, unsaved person is unstable, easily swayed, easily depressed, easily frightened, and easily discouraged. The spiritual babe, with a lack of knowledge and understanding, he's just as unstable. This is the, when confronted with the intellectual, the cultist, the celebrity, or whoever it might be, they're, they're unstable and they're led in various directions. We are to be planted upon the rock that is Jesus Christ. Remember Moses? Moses wanted to see God. He, he, God revealed who he was through his name earlier in Exodus chapter 3. But later on, Moses said, I want to see you. And God says, nobody can look upon me and live because of the absolute purity and holiness of God. And so Moses was adamant about it. And God says, okay, but to see me, you have to stand on the rock. You have to stand in the cleft of the rock. And the idea is cleft of the rock or a fold within the rock. And he just saw the hind glory of the Lord, the tail of the glory of God, that which he was able to comprehend. But he had, if you want to see God, you have to stand on a rock. But that rock, that rock is here today. Where is it at? I don't know. I don't have a clue. But the idea is it's stable and it's strong. And it's the example that is used because our faith in Jesus Christ is stable and strong. And the person who grows in it is going to have stability in his life, and he is going to have strength when confronted. We live in an age when people are always, as far as concepts and beliefs, they're always on the attack. Are you able to give the reason for the hope that is within you? Do you have the knowledge of the word of God and the knowledge of the reality of what God has done in your life that you're able to give a reason when confronted. And I'm not telling you that you need to argue. I'm not telling you that you need to debate. It just says, simply says to give that reason. And we all should be prepared to give that reason, the reason of, that we have that great hope within us. Now, immature, the immature is quick to retreat. The immature is quick to fold. The immature is quick to be defeated. Second Corinthians chapter 3, verse 5. Now we are sufficient, not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think of anything as being from ourselves, but our sufficiency is from God. So what's the priority? Well, today is the day that churches across the nation break attendance records. It's this Sunday, this weekend, that churches break attendance records. Wait, wait, wait. No, it, it's not churches. It's the Avengers. The Avengers, I just read, is breaking attendance records. The problem with the church, more people are caught up with the Avengers than they are with the Savior. And I'm not saying it's sin to go see the Avengers, but what's the priority in your life? What's your priority in your life? Because we'll go to watch the Avengers on the 10-mile wide screen with surround sound that is pounding all of our senses into submission, and we'll see some... I've never watched any of them, but I'm assuming some superhero that saves the day. Well, we have superhero that has saved your soul. Are, are you willing to give of that same passion to them? So many people are willing to put 10 bucks into a box office window and not 10 bucks into a, an agape box because they don't value what they receive from the body of Christ. 
It's these things that we need to consider. The immature child is prone to that which is entertaining, spectacular, and exciting. It's all about the bells, whistles, flash, and wonder. They are more interested in the building than the Bible, the teacher than the truth, and the experience and the exhortation. Notice here in the sanctuary, sanctuary is designed for mature people. Over there in the infant room, it is designed for immature people. Here in the sanctuary, we don't stop in the middle and say, okay, it's snack time. I don't know if that would be so bad, but we don't do that. You'll not be doing a craft today. We're not doing that. Nothing to put on the refrigerator. And as far as nap time, well, some people still do that, but it's not really designed as that. In 1 Corinthians 13, 11, when I was a child, I spoke as a child, I understood as a child, I thought as a child, but when I became a man or became an adult, I put away childish things. Those who do not grow are more interested in experience than relationship. What does the Bible say are attributes of the spiritually mature? Do these attributes fit your spiritual nature? Are you concerned about sin or sins? The mature understands that his sinful nature has been dealt with at the cross, and he's found contentment in that. Maturity is always dealing with individual sins, but those who grow in the grace of the knowledge of God knows that it's not so much about the individual sins that Christ dealt with. He did, but it's about the sinful nature Your sinful nature is that which has set you aside or set you apart from a holy God. And now that it's been dealt with, it's how we have been united back with God. What is your attitude of the world? Is the world and the events of the world constantly dragging you down? Well, just keep in mind, it's all going to burn at some point. The world, the world yells and they scream. Remember, Satan goes around like a roaring lion. Why does Satan go around like a roaring lion? Because he's got no teeth. He's no longer a biting lion. He just boasts very loudly, but the teeth have been pulled at Mount Calvary. And we live in a day and age where the pundit is raging and yelling and screaming. You see everything going on across the world. And man, you can find yourself cowering in the corner. I can't deal with that anymore. It just overwhelms me. Well, what has happened is all of that ranting and raving has gotten the best of you, and you forgot who is seated upon the throne. Why do the nations rage and and plot a vain thing? But it says the Lord laughs and holds them in derision. God is greater than all the things that are going on in this world today and anything that could ever go on in this world today. We're worried about the nuclear bomb. Well, don't be worried about the nuclear bomb. If one goes off, you'll be with the Lord. How bad can that be? But we can allow those things so much to get the better of us because, again, most of us, we have that big screen TV, and we've got theater sound in our, our living rooms, and we're being bombarded constantly with those things. The thing that you bombard yourself with, you're going to become like that. Have you found yourself becoming more argumentative? Have you found yourself being... Well, entering into debates and just wanting to express your opinion and not hearing what the other people do. What, whatever alphabet news station you listen to, Fox, CNN, ABC, whatever it might be, that's what they're doing almost 24-7. Rarely do they ever have a guy up there or a woman just simply giving the news. It's all about the celebrities. On the CNN website, I, I was reading something, and I clicked on the article to get more depth, and they keep have these pop-ups coming, and it's all about, not Stuart Anderson, uh, whatever that guy's name is, 
with the blonde hair. Anyway, it, it's all about, they've made these newscasters the celebrities. Even worse than that, they've made these newscasters the philosopher of the day. They're just supposed to be spewing that which is going on in the world, not spewing that which is in their brain. And we can, well, again, allow these things to overwhelm us, but we are to be overwhelmed by the things of the Lord. Jesus said in John 16, these things I have spoken to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. Jesus said, I've overcome the world. The best test is your at, in your attitude towards God. Do you love God more? Do you desire God more? Are you closer to God than you were, again, even a year ago? So to a people who are about to enter into trials, remember that was the theme for both First and Second Peter. Peter's writing to these people who tribulation is coming. Roman persecution is on his way. But as that's coming, his final exhortation in the midst of all that's going to happen and is happening right now, Peter's final exhortation, but grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and forever, so be it. The Apostle Paul's final exhortation, 2 Timothy 4.22, the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Grace be to you. Amen. Notice a thread going through here. The Apostle John's final exhortation, Revelation 22, verses 20 through 21, he who testifies to these things says, Surely I am coming quickly. Amen. Even so, come, Lord Jesus. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. God's unmerited favor. Because, see, when you come to the realization that you're unworthy and you take God out of the equation, you're, since you're unworthy and you take God out of the equation, what, what are you worthy of? You're worthy of judgment. And you're going to be of the mindset that I, I'm worthy of punishment. I'm worried of judgment. And God says, I give you grace. I give you grace simply because I love you. And you think, God, how could you love me? And God says, Deuteronomy 7, I love you because I love you. And for you, that needs to be good enough. And as you grow in the grace of the knowledge of God, you're able to be receptive of that, knowing you're undeserving of it, but understanding that God has overcome the world and he's overcome the world and the flesh within me. And it's because of that we rejoice. It's because of that we worship him. We're going to have a final worship song in a minute. Sing like you're saved. Sing like you, you have that knowledge of who Christ is and what Christ has done for you. If you're not saved, if you're not born again here today, that's a work that God does in your heart. Jesus told Nicodemus, you must be born again. And this is something that you do personally with Jesus Christ. You ask Christ to come into your life. But before that, there's got to be the knowledge of the sins. Why would you need a Savior if you're not a sinner? When you come to the knowledge of your sins, repent of your sins and ask Christ to enter into your life and to direct your life. God does that. That's a request that he honors. That's a prayer that he answers. Father, once again, we just thank you, God, that you have given us your time. And just pray, Father, as you have given us your time, may we be good stewards of it. I pray, Father, time is one of the most valuable things that we have, that you have given us a gift. And I pray, Lord, that we would make the most of it, that we would hear those words, well done, my good and faithful servant. And so, Father, I just lift up those who are here today. I pray that you would bless them. I pray that you would speak to them. Pray for those who are watching this on the Internet, that, God, you would meet them where they're at as well. 
and pray, Father, as we are the body of Christ, as we are the Christians, may we stand up and be counted in your sight. And I pray, Father, that we would move forward in a mighty way. Lord, we just thank you and praise you for this day. In Jesus' name, amen. Will you all stand, please? A couple of things. Two announcements concerning extracurricular maturing. Men, we are having our men's breakfast next Saturday, and today is the last day to sign up. We don't have very many men signed up, so we need you to sign up today. Um, women's retreat, we have 13 spots left in the women's retreat. We have a speaker that is coming out. Well, we have a really good speaker coming out on Friday night. That would be me. I usually speak at the women's retreat, but besides that, um, I'll be speaking on pride. <laughs> No, we have uh, Maureen Schaefer that is coming out. Maureen Schaefer is dealing with cancer. There's a couple of times when it almost brought her to the Lord, but the Lord has preserved her, and she's a woman who's, man, just amazing all that she's had to struggle with. Well, she's going to be teaching on Saturday morning. She's got a, two studies she's doing then. And so I encourage you, it's going to be local. It's up at the uh, uh, Calvary Conference Center uh, in Twin Peaks, which is in the area of uh, Lake Arrowhead. And it's a time not just for that, but to joining together, to truly make the church a church, to get to know one another, to be able to pray for one another and encourage one another, not just that weekend, but also in weeks to come. If you're unable to afford it, to pay for it right now, that's okay. At least if, if you're going to make that commitment, get signed up. Get signed up today because the most important thing is, is for you to be there. God bless you guys. We'll have a couple up here for prayer. Tonight we're going to be continuing on our 6 o'clock service in Second Chronicles. God bless you guys.